Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, to uh, launch that? 
Well, uh, it goes back, I guess, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, when my interest in holistic medicine and natural healing began. I used to watch a program every Saturday morning. I believe it was called Vitamins in You. And at that time, a real pioneer in the field, you may remember him, Dr. Carlton Fredericks. Yes, would be on 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And with uh, other varied guests would talk about um, uh, treating diseases and degenerative conditions with vitamins and minerals, herbs. And he was probably my earliest influence at that time. I guess we're going back to the, my God, probably the early 70s. And then there was also a, a pioneer at that time by the name of Adele Davis, who many people in the field probably remember, who also pioneered the concept of using concentrated herbs, vitamins, minerals, homeopathic techniques to treat and alleviate certain disease conditions. So I guess that was my earliest influence. Uh, Mm -hmm. Later on, of course, back in the 80s, there was another uh, interest of mine that kind of uh was part of all of this the, the uh, expanded consciousness part and that was the wisdom of the hemispheres is what i call it and that was the split brain of the brain, right pardon me the hemispheres of the brain yes the right and left hemisphere and i began studying that and it was back in uh i believe 1981 by a gentleman by the name of Roger Sperry uh, I believe he won a Nobel Prize in physiology. He did. He was doing split brain research and discovered mm-hmm. when they severed the corpus callosum, which is the part of the brain that unites the two hemispheres, he uh, discovered that the, each hemisphere viewed the world in very different ways. And we know that the right brain basically views the world in much in a much different way than the left brain does. Yes. So that all comes back to more or less, I guess you could say, uh, it applies to creative health as well. You know, sometimes we have to look out of the box to find healing. And conventional yes. medicine only has one more da- modality that they offer us more times than not. And I think that's, th- I thank, thank God for the uh, holistic movement and the holistic community that we know that there are certain natural uh, 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 pathways to fight disease and promote healing. So I think creative mind should go along with physical healing, the whole concept of physical healing. So the two kind of uh, interject, if you will. I believe the very much the same thing. What brought me uh, there was uh, a book called The Origins of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. By, um, by Julian Jaynes, am yes, I pronouncing yes, his name correctly? Julian Jaynes, yes, I have it right here uh, yes. on my bookshelf. Uh, and uh, that influenced my thinking very profoundly. Uh, and uh, I originally uh, found that book in my quest to understand uh, the Olympian gods. Uh, and it Absolutely. Was a very, uh, changing my thoughts and uh, I'm very open to the fact that you know uh, our two hemispheres uh, communicate with us uh, differently and that Mm -hmm. uh, the voices of the gods that we hear uh, is communication Mm -hmm. from a more primitive aspect of our brain you know it's it's fascinating that you know we're 
both on the same on the same track here because I, I yes, I read that book back in the seventies, I believe. And there's no question that you know he opened uh, visual doors, con- doors of consciousness that I, you know, are still the effects of his of his teachings, and what he had to offer us, I think, are still being felt today. I feel personally that uh, the wisdom of the hemispheres, or bicameral mind, if you will, I really mm-hmm. believe it's so important and so influential that it should be part of of a curriculum of our of our uh, you know established teaching institutions that's how strongly i feel about uh, about teaching about each hemisphere and how it operates in our day-to-day lives i think it opens up a whole new world of thinking uh so yes i, I that book was definitely a groundbreaker and one of my early influences as well now how do you help people um, through uh, bold spirits and holistic concepts. Um, do people seek you out, uh, and um, uh, what does your work with them consist of? Well, basically, you know, I've counseled with everyone, uh, every, people who've had everything from diabetes, heart disease, cancer, arthritis. I mean, I've even counseled with physicians. Uh, I don't charge for what I do, and the reason for that wow. is uh, and I'm very committed to that because I feel this is a ministry. I am a licensed minister, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm basically non-denominational. I respect all fields of of belief and all seekers, if you will, because everything in the visible world has come from the invisible. I mean, I think we know that, you know, yes. everything, everything started as an idea, a concept, everything we touch, feel think it's all it's all comes from the mind and so i i don't charge for what i do as far as counseling and uh, that's basically it there are certain dietary rules and principles that at at this stage of my life i believe are the healthiest uh you know there's no guarantee you know as far as our longevity no matter what we do but i believe this based on what i've seen based on the counseling i've done that there are certain dietary principles that I feel will lead us to the best possible areas as far as longevity and being disease-free as long as we can. Now, I looked on your Facebook page, and uh, um, you had posted uh, something about bacon. Um, And uh, bacon has made a comeback in our culture, (laughs) and uh, it's gotten very expensive. what would you uh, counsel people uh, um, re- regarding uh, bacon? Well, this is a, this has been the uh, this has been a, a a a thorn in my side, if you will, the last six months. I've been debating uh, doctors on the internet on this who have gone the mm-hmm. high fat route. There was a doctor recently, of course, I won't mention names. He's promoting a book and some very expensive vitamins that he's marketing. A very expensive program that he's marketing. That high fat is the way to go. Seventy-five percent fat, as far as your diet is concerned, as high as seventy-five percent. Basically, known as the keto diet. Of course, there's all types of modifications to keto. Atkins, we know, is the same thing. Well, I come down on the side of Dr. Dean Ornish was proven okay. time and time and time again over the decades, his father before him, that a diet very low in fat, 
high in complex carbohydrates, a minimum of white starch and sugar, of course, and plenty of fruits and vegetables. A, a diet that more or less parallels a Mediterranean diet is the way to go. He, he has a farm, I believe, in upstate New York where he has reversed mm-hmm. serious uh, arteriosclerosis conditions in elderly people. And he's done it time and time again. This is the diet I encourage. Uh, this okay. high fat fat is very scaring me. It's scaring me. Now I'm, yeah. I'm going to uh, approach this uh, as somebody. I have type two diabetes. I was uh, I started falling downstairs, uh, okay. and uh, I lost okay. an alarming amount of uh, weight. Uh, and uh, the the way I pushed myself over the edge with that is I was following pre steroid bodybuilding diet. Uh, okay. you know, because I, I didn't want to take steroids or uh, anything like that, but I, I wanted to lift heavy and I wanted to look as heroic as possible and be as healthy as possible. So right. uh, back in the day, uh, the um, um, pre-steroid bodybuilders used to drink a gallon of milk a day, and some used to drink six oranges a day. So I was lactose intolerant, and it took me a good year to overcome mm-hmm. my lactose intolerance. Uh, and I, I started eating six oranges a day. And for a while, it was awesome. I never looked better or felt better in my entire life uh, mm-hmm. until the day I didn't. <laughs> and and right. in which case, uh, I started losing a phenomenal amount of weight. I became very weak. And uh, I fell downstairs a couple of times. And I don't like going to doctors. Uh, right. So my wife convinced right. me to go after I fell down the stairs the second time. So I, I went. And I found mm-hmm. out that I had uh, type 2 diabetes. And I tried several diets, and the only one that seemed to work for me was the uh, Atkins. Uh, with mm-hmm. the Atkins, uh, you know, the high-protein, high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet, um, right. I was able to get my blood sugar level under control. And even my, uh, uh, the fats in my blood um, gr- were greatly reduced on the test. And when they mm-hmm. uh, asked me what I was doing um, to reduce uh, the fat, I told them I was eating uh, lots of fatty meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems counterintuitive, but for a very long time, it, it worked. It worked for years, in fact. And now I'm finding that it's not working as well as it did before. So I have mm-hmm. to play with the diet again. So I've introduced uh, starches, and uh, um, I'm still in the position where I'm playing with the diet. Um, right. But uh, for a very long time, it, it worked, and it kept, me, it kept me feeling wonderful. Well, you know, that uh, here's my position on that. I, I feel this way. Okay. I've been a vegan 40 years, but I don't push uh-huh. that lifestyle on anyone. What I do say is let's take a look at what the healthiest cultures in the world are eating. You know, mm-hmm. some of the African nations, the Asian nations, let, uh, uh, you know, Japan, China, what their traditional diets, what are they eating? My my feeling was, based on the research that I've examined, is most of the diets in those areas of the world are high-complex carbohydrates. Right. Some grains, which I know Atkins and Keto warn you, do, do you keep away from grains at all costs. A fish, a, little, a minimum amount of, of meat, and very, very little saturated fat. And if you, if, if you take notice, when Japanese women, as an example... And this has, been, uh, this has been mentioned in people who have uh, followed the Farmingham study. When they move west, the, ca- the rate of uh, uh, ovarian cancer, breast cancer is very low. As they move west, Hawaii start to adopt the western diet, which is higher in fat. What happens? The rate of high, uh, ovarian cancer goes up. 
the rate of breast cancer mm-hmm. goes up. The rate of hormone-driven cancers in men, prostate cancer, as an example, goes up. I mean, it can't be just coincidence. You know, the people who are, who are, uh, who are promoting the, these high-fat diets, higher-fat diets, like Atkins, like Keto, like Zone, uh-huh. and some of these others, they, they make uh, carbohydrates the main culprit, sugar is the main culprit. So, but what they're not telling you is all of the studies that are 40 years old, that there's a strong connection between the consumption of saturated fat and hormone-driven cancers, and it's almost without fail. As we speak at this moment, I know two men that have been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and what have their diets been? Well, the bacon, the high, high consumption of meats, dairy, they didn't think about it. Uh, so, you know, they're going to tell you sugar is the main culprit. I would say this. If you came to me and you said to me, Michael, I have a piece of bacon sitting on this plate and I have a piece of Wonder Bread sitting on this plate, which is, which is uh, less risky? I would say go for the Wonder Bread. Leave the bacon alone. <laughs> leave, the, okay. leave the piece of Wonder Bread. Now, that's hmm. my, I, haven't met, I have yet to meet anyone or counsel with anyone who ate a diet high in complex carbohydrates who uh, was diet who was diagnosed with arteriosclerosis not one in 20 years not one but i've counseled with plenty of people who have eaten a diet high in saturated fat whole dairy products and that have developed heart disease and cancer so for me the, 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 it's clear it's clear uh the the healthiest cultures in the world are not eating diets high in fat and, uh, you know, so that's why I believe what I do, and that's what I sh- try to share with others. So you would recommend more of like what is being called the Mediterranean diet? Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, you're, the, you're a, a type 2 diabetic, I, and, and a Bible, you have to, of course, you have to adhere to your doctor's protocol first. But oh, I have found counseling with diabetics one of the substances, two of the substances that can bring uh, uh, blood sugar down dramatically is uh, psyllium husk, and you can get that in any health store. Uh, oh, that's a fiber, high fiber. And the second is uh, apopectin, which is also a very powerful fiber. Unless you're suffering from colon issues or digestive issues and fiber is an irritant, I have seen that drop, not only drop blood sugar, by the way, but drop uh, uh, cholesterol and triglycerides dramatically. So if someone was coming to me, all things being equal, I would recommend those two very strong fiber and pectin products to lower the lipids in the blood and sugars as well. And there's other things like Geminima sylvestri. You may have heard of that. That's an herb from uh-huh. India. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's... that's you, you, have you heard of that? No, I haven't heard of that. See, I yeah, Geminima sylvestri. In fact, in India, they call it the sugar buster. It's known as the sugar oh. buster. So, uh, uh, and Vandel's sulfate is another mineral that's been useful in lowering blood sugar. But uh, my favorites are the simplest, uh, the fibers. Fiber, it gets an A+. Plus from so many holistic researchers in terms of dropping blood sugar. And, of course, if you're going to go on these substances, you know, you monitor it with your doctor. And if you're insulin dependent, you want to make sure that you're not dropping your blood sugar too low. But they can be very effective. And if your cholesterol and triglycerides and LDL are high, 
again, I would recommend these fibers absolutely as the first line of treatment from a natural standpoint. Now, I see uh, from your Facebook page also that uh, you are a big fan of uh, peplum, as am I. Uh, pardon me, I didn't. You want to repeat that? Um, I see from your Facebook uh, page, uh, which I explored before, uh, that you're a very big fan of uh, Peplum, the sword and sandal movies. and uh, Oh, absolutely. My goodness. And I know I've, I follow you as closely as I Yes, I am. And I've been since the 60s. It's a wonderful, wonderful era, wonderful time. I bet, like me, I bet you also probably have a large collection. Yes, I am. I mean, yes, I do. and you're probably familiar with a lot of these people. You know, and, that have come uh, and gone. I, I uh, a lot of them are passing away, unfortunately, who well, starred in these films. Yes. I, I came very close to uh, uh, interviewing Sergio Chiani, or Alan Steele, as he was called. It took me years to find somebody who knew him and uh, who was willing to introduce us. And he, he unfortunately, he died <laughs> the week I got the information. Oh, my but, goodness. Uh, he had inspired me uh, greatly with his interpretation of uh, Hercules, which, uh, uh, w- you know, w- was was big, maybe not Reg Park big, but it was big. And he had always like a, a sense of humor and a good nature uh, about him. Uh, so he was one of my uh, idols uh, growing up. And I used the peplum fills to inspire me uh, while I'm working out. Uh, I've seen pictures of you, of course, and you you have quite an impressive physique. And, yes, I mean, Alan Steele, I think, has been one of the more recent stars to have passed. Am I right? Uh, yes. He passed, what, maybe a year ago? Am I right? I don't know if I'm right or not on that. I believe it was uh, a year or two ago, yes. Yeah. But, look, uh, we have Mark Forrest, of course, Steve Reeves. Uh, one of my favorites also was a uh, fellow by the name of Brad Harris. You remember Brad Harris? Yes, I remember Brad Harris, yes. He had incredible muscular density for his time. Uh, you know, he was kind of a square, powerful physique, and he was one of my favorites. And, I mean, we can go on and on. Mark Forrest had incredible pecs. I think he had one of the best – he was the uh, best chest development I, I'd ever seen in a Peplin star. Uh, but yeah, Alan Steele was great, and you know most of these people. Unfortunately, um, um, the guy who played Tarzan, um, yes. his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Gordon Westfall Scott. Or... Oh, okay, Gordon, Gordon Scott. Scott. Okay. Remember Gordon Scott? Uh, yes. In I, fact, I he made a that. film with Steve Reeves. Steve Reeves called Duel of the Titans, yes, playing yes, the brothers yes. of Romulus and Remus who discovered Rome. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. I, I've seen it and I have it in my uh, collection. And uh, I've spoken to Mark Forrest on the phone several times. So I know he's mm-hmm. uh, really he's Yes, a uh, wonderful uh, person, uh, he seems like. And uh, I'm working on getting him on the show one day, which, which would be awesome and a dream come true. That would be exciting. I'd love to hear that. But these guys influenced us early on as far as physical yes. fitness and training and good health. And it was an era, I think, well, well, obviously, we'll never see it again because they did it all for the right reasons. You know, they were in those cold gyms and the, where there was no heat. They're in the, the garages. And, you know, it was a wonderful time at the time when bodybuilding and weight training was considered a quote unquote, as you probably know, this an underground sport. Yes. Uh, I remember when I went to school in Irvington, New Jersey, uh, my gym teachers, they all advised don't use weights. 
It'll make you bustle pound, and you won't mm-hmm. excel in sports. We know now, of course, how untrue that is. Right. But I don't know I if remember. you remember those days or not. But, uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I was yeah. told not to lift weights either because it would make you too muscle bound. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to move around, and uh, um, exactly. girls wouldn't like you and, and stuff like yep. that. And they'll think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, yes, those yes. are. But thank God we've moved past that time. And while now we know just how beneficial weight training is, as far as, even as far as building bones, preventing osteoporosis. And some of the women that are involved are certainly impressive. Uh, and uh, I love it. I love to see women developing their bodies through weight resistance training. There's so many benefits. So many benefits. There are. And uh, we only have like maybe six more minutes uh, less actually with the music uh, for today. But I would okay. like to invite you back on uh, several of the shows. I'd like to invite you back on this show so we can continue exploring um, the uh, healthful benefits of uh, the Mediterranean diet and the vegan diet. Um, I would like to, uh, again, my, my old ways of doing things aren't working. When that happens, you have to do something different and new. So, exactly. so I'm open to that. I'm willing to explore and uh, uh, on uh, our show, you could be my mentor and uh, kind of, uh, you know, basically um, educate me in this uh, Mediterranean diet. I'm Greek, so it won't be too long in education, but I will All try right. well, uh, yes. having psyllium every day and apple pectin. And, uh, yes, I would see you on that later. I would love to. Uh, I have so much I would like to share with you and your audience, and I'm, awesome. I'm honored that you would have me on. And I, I do have a creative health manual that I would like to share from next time I come back. And uh, I also have a chart that I'm giving away for free uh, called The Wisdom of the Hemisphere, Secrets of Holistic Unfoldment, which explains the differences between left brain and right brain and why it's so important in this day and age. And I would love to send a copy free to anyone who would write to me. And uh, if I can give that uh, post office box quickly, it's Michael Del Rossi box. Okay, give it quickly here and also add it to the Facebook, the thread that t- talks about your uh, being on the show tonight. Add it to the well. will. It's Box 129, Caldwell, New Jersey, 07006. My name is Michael Dorussi, and that chart will be free. I will send that chart to anyone who writes me. Fantastic. And I would like to do, I've always wanted to do a uh, show on the bicameral mind. Uh, yes, so exciting. I, I will definitely. He invites you to that uh, as well because uh, I believe in creativity. I believe creativity is almost divine power. Absolutely. And I believe that we're not living in the physical world. We're living in the world of imagination mostly. And Absolutely. everything from uh, our shoes to our socks to our underwear and our t shirts and our uh, computer screens, everything we have surrounding us or that we're wearing. Uh, or that we've eaten or anything we've done uh, has come from the imagination. And That's so exciting, really and I couldn't agree with that. you more. We've learned so much from the myths and the gods. Yes, yes. So awesome. Well, thank you, sir, for having me on. I'm so excited to be able to sharing with you, and we have so much to share, and I'd love to come yes, back. Yes, we do. I'm looking forward to future shows. I'm glad this finally happened. Thank you, my um, So am I. I'm excited. And I will talk to you very soon. Thank you, and uh, I, lo- I really do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, and I appreciate your being here. Um, we're going to listen to Brent Kedorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Astrid and the Sussex Report.
Greetings and welcome back to the Elysium Project. Tonight's show is the Path of Public Service, and I am greatly honored to begin our next segment, the Sussex Report with Astrid. Today's topic is the elements, Earth. Greetings and welcome, Astrid. How are you? Greetings, Hercules. Doing fine, enjoying the fact that spring has finally sprung. Yes, it has. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm glad it's here, finally. <laughs> yes, I think it's safe to put the snow shovels away. And uh, we have a shortened version, so I'm going to get right to Sussex County, saying again that, you know, check the websites of all the great organizations, Project Self-Sufficiency being one. They just had a career center. Uh, mm-hmm. They're free free career fair, and that was today. They also had free legal advice this evening, and wow. the Elder Law se- Seminar, which is phenomenal that there are all these different things that they do besides you know, the programs for children and, and pro- the uh, prom dress, a sister-to-sister um, event. It's amazing. And then, of course, we talked last week about um, um, Andover doing their CERT program for um uh, emergency response, you know, having their own community response team. And they right. had a presentation tonight about community disaster alert. And it's amazing what they were fitting into this um, this training in terms of uh, people that needed emergencies that were hurt, actual uh, emergencies due to the elements. Here we go, back to the elements. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it is totally amazing. And the camps are getting ready now in the local areas. Uh, in the whole Sussex County area of having open houses and information on summer programs. Never too soon to start because that's an important choice. Where you place your child is important, and and what they have to offer varies according to the needs of your child. So it's really good to do your research. And, of course, we know there are all the Easter egg hunts. Some still are not done, and hoping that the weather uh, complies with these great events that are occurring. But uh, I'm going to go right into something that's very interesting. Okay. And, uh, this is the one really big thing I found uh, that was uh, I found so stimulating and encouraging. On Saturday, April 27th, there go- is going to be an afternoon and evening of entertainment, and it is called The Wheels for Walker. It's an event okay. held from 3 to 8 at the barn in Hillside Park in Newton. There's going to be food, cash bar, 50-50 raffle, uh, music being provided, I'm sure, by donation. And it's for this boy that is called Kyle Walker from Kittatinny Regional High School. He is a, a, a student there. He went to McEwen Elementary School in Hampton Township. And there was a very tight group of friends around him who would do anything for this for Kyle. He's a great person. He has uh, muscular dystrophy, which is a degenerative muscle disease. He lost the use of his legs years ago, and he has quite a bit of pain. But he still would go camping, go to car shows, very active participant in Kittatinny Regional High School, doing the stats for a few years. And he got his first mobile scooter in eighth grade. Friends of his decided that it would be nice to upkeep it his mobility, and I guess they got involved, the juniors got involved saying, well, what can we do for him? We're getting our license. 
you know, and they realize he'd like to be independent. So what they're doing is creating this Wheels for Walker campaign and having a okay. community-wide fundraising effort for him to raise money for a vehicle that he can utilize to drive. And I think that's wonderful. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Right. They have a goal of $100,000 for a specially built car, but uh, this has not deterred them. They are going to do this. It is uh, off Lake Ellis Road in Newton, and the cost is going to be $50. And for tickets, you can call or text Lisa DeSorti I will, or Lee Allen Pissarro. I will give you that information directly, so if anyone is interested, they can follow through with that. So that, here we go. Right. I, will, I will share it. I'm still sharing the uh, uh, links that you sent me uh, by email. Great, great. And let's go a little bit to this 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 topic of the elements. We said we're going to discuss okay. Earth a little bit. Now we can uh, affect change, which is very apropos because Earth Day is right around the corner, April 22nd. And Earth Day basically started with um, the concept of making people aware of the environment and how it's you know, you can evolve it and you can help rectify issues by making it politically aware. And that was back in 1970. 1970. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was started by uh, Senator Gaylord Nelson from Wisconsin. He felt it was important to make environmental issues political so that we could start doing something about them. And if there's something that anyone is particularly interested in, of course, because as you and I have stated so many times, it's very hard to spread yourself thin. But yes. there, there are so many issues and there's so many great causes that we would all love to get involved in. And there comes a point you have to um, narrow it down to some that really touch your heart deeply and your life or the lives of others around you or the area that you live in, your community. There is a, a site you can go to, www.earthsharenewjersey.org, that goes into detail about different ways you can get involved or issues. And, of course, you know you can always contact your uh, representatives and your senators to see if there's anything going on in terms of, of um, laws being presented that could require people to sign petitions or contact uh-huh. them directly to say that this is an interest of yours and you hope that they abide by their uh, their voters that will help to elect them. I know that uh, Representative uh, Mikey Sherrill and Josh Gottheimer, both of them, have days when they meet with locals, whether it be in schools or diners, to hear their constituents and what's important to them. You know, in terms of of the subjects, things that are particularly um, uh, important to Sussex County. And and there are some things, we've talked about this previously, that are special in a rural area. Right. Definitely. You know, the waterways, your Clean Clean Water Act in terms of your lakes. And there are different organizations within the government and local uh, lake associations that keep very actively involved with monitoring the water 
and uh, abiding by guidelines and seeking out help from different organizations that exist. That that is great. That Most is definitely. Most very definitely. Great. And here's some good news. Um, okay. If you remember, there was this long-going discussion and struggle over the dirt piles in Vernon. And it went back and forth for years until oh, the locals felt, you know, we're not getting anywhere. They, they really got themselves together and organized, contacted the EPA, brought them down, didn't work out too well for, uh, at the first initial times, but they didn't give up. They did not right. give up. They got involved with Josh Godheimer, brought him there. It went higher to a higher level. And it has been in and out of the courts. Well, I'm happy to say that finally samples were taken from the pile by the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, the EPA, and they were not good. They were linked to cancer. The tests show that uh, the dirts contain PAHs, PCBs, and the pesticide chemical chloridane, all at levels above the state standard for residential soil, because remember, this is not an actual dump site. This is someone's own property. It's a residence where he was, you know, making some money and some cash by allowing trucks to come dump on his property. Hmm. So that happened I'm in sure Pennsylvania too. Uh, when and, we lived in yeah. Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of folks uh, who had property, uh, and it was a depressed uh, time. So. Uh, um, money was difficult to come by and opportunities uh, ditto. Uh, and a lot of people who own land sold the rights to uh, fracking companies uh, beneath their land. Oh, wow. And uh, they eventually all regretted it uh, because, you know, there were, there were gag uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements and uh, the water nearby was catching fire. <laughs> It was a mess, and they couldn't talk about it because of the the non-disclosure agreements that they signed. Wow, wow. Well, you know, the thing is that there have to be some changes in the laws, and there have to be officials. We have to be responsible to research people that are running for certain positions right. and, and, and to actually ask where they stand on these issues. I think that would be great for the next presidential campaign to, you know, not have these very simplistic questions, but let's have them some things that affect our elements, our water, our air. You know, I mean, these are the earth (laughs) and how fire is used and how it can be contained. It's good, but it has to also be managed through uh, the different ways. We've seen what happened in California there with, with, um, and, and they're basically blaming it on now with, with the issues of non-maintenance of equipment by the power companies there. So, you know, people have to be held accountable, and it's up to us to keep people on the right track. Right. So kudos to uh, Vernon Township and, and, the, and the groups there, because it wasn't just the matter of the air and the earth could involve water. As we said, they have wells. And once the wells get yes. contaminated, that's it. That's it. There goes the water supply for that area. 
Many people believe we have unlimited water, but that is not uh, the case. The, the world's water supply is uh, running out, and uh, we are polluting it alarmingly. Yeah, uh, you know, we don't see it so much in New Jersey with the amount of rainfall that we get, but uh, uh-huh. even so, with climate change, I, I've known summers up here where we had to really watch the wells, and if you're in an area where they're um, – our lakes, a lot of the, the the wells are shallow wells, which means they only go so many feet. And if you have water shortages due to um, weather and, and no rain, you're talking about a total loss of water for your home, your household. So what can we do to uh, basically guard uh, the quality of our water, protect quality of water? Because uh, without water, there's no life. Most definitely. And, and, and the water ends up no life. And again, your earth, you know, the, with the effect of the, of the water on, your, on, on the earth in terms of chemicals, we, again, we have to hold people accountable, whether it be your next-door neighbor who is uh, doing something like fertilizing and he lives on a lake, which is not a good thing. You know, using extreme mm-hmm. fertilizers, or and you have to think in terms of runoff. It's not just your property. Just as that man in Vernon who was looking to make some income, it wasn't just his property. He's affecting the entire community. And the last thing you want is to have a dead lake, or even worse, children that are affected, and adults. But most, you know, the children and the elderly are the first ones affected by by these chemicals. And the release of chemicals. So whether it's on a local level and you get involved that way, if you're on a lake, there's a lake resources uh, committee, get involved uh-huh. that way. Um, looking further to New Jersey, seeing what happened in Vernon, they saw something close to home, and they did not relent. I mean, this has been years they have been fighting this, this situation with this pile getting higher and higher and higher. And uh, now it said they said that the, the levels would actually be designated a, um, a toxic waste dump, not a residence for just some dirt. Right. And, and, and you can start with just a day of action. Get poli- things that, that are important to you. Get politically involved in, in terms of the issues. Uh, maybe don't buy stores. Maybe say something to a shop that you uh, frequent saying, well, could you please think about eliminating the plastic stores? Or just say, we don't need a straw. Please don't bring us any straw with the water, you know, that we're concerned about the environment. And that's the best way to do it, to put in the way that it's a concern to you and other residences, rather than putting the business on on the offense. That's the other thing. But I know there's something going on now with Greenpeace in terms of um, of, of all the plastic that uh, Nestle's corporate headquarters, uh, I think Greenpeace actually went right to the headquarters and um, deposited 4 billion pounds of single-use plastic packaging there (laughs) that is not recyclable. And they're saying, you know, we we need you to say to Nestle, the plastic pollution is out of control. Can you please phase out your reliance on single-use plastic packaging and move to refillable and reusable and at least recyclable options? Uh, I have a number for that, and I will, I will send it to you 
send it along. Uh, so Thank you see you. there are different organizations, too, that are dealing with, you know, besides Greenpeace, that are very responsible and committed to, um, you know, saving our water. And they'll actually give you suggestions of ways to do it. Uh, there's another one, I think, that um, there's a group, the Food and um, Water Watch. That's a really great group if you're interested in that. And they're, they're very involved right now with uh, having reliable access to water, that no one should have their water shut off if you can't pay a bill. Find another way right. around it. And I, I mean, in 2010, the U.N. General Assembly passed a resolution saying that people had the right to water and sanitation. But it's constantly violated by bad policies or by people that are inept in their, um, in, in their position in terms of regulating the water. And, and we're also seeing now that there are so many areas, particularly the urban areas, where the pipes haven't been maintained and the lead levels and the corrosiveness within the pipes having a horrible effect on the water. You know, infrastructure needs to be maintained. You can't just say, okay, we did it. It's 30 years ago. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. And so there is something that people can do. Um, and Most I know definitely. a lot of people are discouraged by all the things that are uh, going on uh, that uh, we've been reacting to. But uh, today, Athena and I went shopping, and we found that our local stop and shop no longer carries uh, plastic bags. So and that's great because you and I went last week went on a whole binge about the age of plastics. Yes. This was post-war, and the reason why plastic started, it actually was an accident in the beginning, and then some well-meaning um, scientists wanted to avoid the whole issue of poor elephant ivory tusks being used for right. combs and other things. Well, as we know, very often, you know, things get thwarted. The, the real reason sort of goes to the wayside. And, yes, it, plastics are convenient, but you have to always be aware of what's in the plastics, and we talked about the three different types of plastics and mm-hmm. the BPAs and the usage of the plastics and, and the fact that they moved from paper to plastic because it was more cost-effective. Yes, and it was a substantial savings uh, to use mm-hmm. the plastic bags. But uh, most, most there definitely. are some things working because, like I said, here at the Stop and Shop, no longer plastic bags. And our local uh, mayor and uh, council uh, voted to ban the use of uh, helium balloons, which cause a phenomenal amount of environmental uh, uh, oh, havoc. Yes, yes. So the air is just as important as the water. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a major effect on all fronts, all of our elements. And uh, one thing that did happen that was quite unfortunate was that the Senate voted to confirm that former oil lobbyist as the Interior Secretary? Well, we got rid of Zinke, and who we get now? We got his his, um, his um, deputy in, that was in place, and um, now we have David Bernhardt, who was a former lobbyist for the oil and the agricultural industry as Secretary of the Interior. And there are many watchdogs that are very concerned because he has shown himself to align he aligns himself with with the the with the different groups 
that are the exact antithesis of, of what an interior secretary should be involved with. So we shall see what happens there. There are watchdogs, and again, see how your, how your Senate, senator voted. If your senator voted against him being in that position, thank him. You know, thank him for being, uh, being proactive to save our elements. And if, he, if your uh, senator didn't, call him on it. Say, why? Why would you put someone who is tied to offshore oil companies, working with him very diligently the, the past couple months as the plan was being set in place for um, offshore drilling? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's important that we find out like, what their thoughts are and then see how our senators voted. That that is very important, and I think I want to devote a show to that in the future. We've talked about it before uh, quite extensively, uh, but I would like to actually, uh, for those who've never done that before, to walk them through the process. Like, how do you find your representatives? Uh, how do you find their contact information? Oh, definitely. Uh, what do you say? And and just basically in terms of the petition circulating around, which ones should be signing? Uh, and and this way, give everybody like a tutorial. Uh, because in truth, we're a lot more powerful than uh, we imagine uh, as citizens of the United States of America, and we should take advantage of that. Most definitely. And with the Internet being free, while it still is, um, it's very important to have access to all these different groups that are out there that are willing to give you factual information on what's taking place in terms of the budget even, you know, the budget being presented and how much is being cut away from the EPA uh, in terms of um, going towards uh, clean energy programs and eliminating climate change research. And I think the budget is being, the proposed budget is being slashed by 31%. Wow. That's almost a third Language being changed in reports, people within the EPA, scientists not allowed to talk about climate change. So, I mean, these are things that we just have to um, hold up for scrutiny. And and, uh, as you say, you know, these are things that are going to affect not only us, but uh, generations to come. So you have to stand up for these things. We have to, and uh, it's becoming more and more apparent uh, uh, that uh, we have to take the responsibility to protect our world uh, and to protect our uh, loved ones and to protect generations yet uh, unborn because uh, Most definitely. Uh, we, we cannot allow these things to happen. And, and, and this is a, an interesting way to close because I know we have limited time today, but it's, uh-huh. not, just, it's not just here in America. I mean, we, we always hear no. about how... You know, Europeans are so much more um, pro uh, environment, and you know they were the ones with the um, all the solar power, wind power, all these great things going on. But I had read an article in the international section of the New York Times this past weekend, and there's an issue going on in Finland, and there is a, a very strong conservative group. I think they're called the Finns. And the issue is not about immigration, which is like the top subject in a lot of countries right now, but climate. And in a way you would not expect, 
it's highly emotional, and it's putting the information out there. It's very aggressive, uh, saying that, um, uh, this is a quote, I love this, uh, they will take the sausage from the mouths of laborers. <laughs> That's what this one particular person said. And from dogs and cats whose food would increase in price by 20 40%. So they're looking at jobs and the monetary cost and putting that emotional fear in voters so that they won't think logically and they'll, they'll just listen to that one aspect and not look further down the road, but how it is going to affect them in the future with all of their elements. And that is something, as you know, that uh, I have dedicated myself to in terms of outlining what I'd like to do with the time that I have remaining. Um, I've I've given it uh, years of consideration uh, and I've had endless conversations uh, and other than certain uh, things that I want to address about the human condition, um, I think that uh, I'm donating as much of my time and energy as I can to the environment because uh, uh, without earth, air, fire, and water, uh, regardless of how you uh, define them, uh, we would not be here. We could not exist. So our very existence is at stake, and I figured I would uh, uh, give the most energy to that. Yes, and, and I have to thank you for your uh, session at the Amber Dragon this past weekend because it was so in line with everything and and without realizing it's tied to your blog i mean this was a, a search for people to look within themselves to see how could they could best do their best in in any way possible with their talents and their own olympian quest and yes. so many things led back to this program and the quest for the, for, uh, the public path and as, as working as individuals within a community to help one another, supporting one another, to make things work. And I, it just dawned on me that last week we were discussing the history of plastics and how the <laughs> convenience blinded us to looking further how it affected us and how it could possibly affect us 20, 30, 40 years. And now here yeah. we are in 2019 and we see the effects of sheer convenience and not doing our homework. And on those words, we will end our journey for tonight. Astrid, thank you for another awesome episode of the Sussex Report. Uh, and thank you for your enlightenment you. and uh, showing me well, that you. uh Getting me on the path to say, you know, the four elements are so important. So besides all the yes, great community uh, services that we see within Sussex County, and uh, and as you say, there's so many negative aspects going on. Let's look for the positive and preserve our elements. Make sure that they're here for all of us to come. And I, I found a song called... Uh, Open to the Elements. Never heard it before, but I'll play it uh, in honor of our conversation. Thanks again, Ashley. Wonderful, and thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Good night. Good night.
Hercules, and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I am Hercules Invictus. You are listening to the Path of Public Service, and our next segment is going to be a great one. We have the legendary Bill Waitman interviewing the legendary Michael Shapiro. So this should be a phenomenal, phenomenal segment. I'll be listening to every word. Uh, greetings and welcome, Bill. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, my voice is a little raspy. It, it sounds better, though. I hope. Okay, I will let you guys do your thing, and I'll be here listening. If you need me, just holler. No problem. No problem. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Good evening. How are you? How are you doing? I uh, got a little bit of laryngitis. Somebody was just warming me about not drinking tea. I drank a lot of hot tea recently recently. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I've been following you for years. I think we were met prior to 2008 uh, at New Jersey Citizen Action, where I think you gave a presentation on citizen journal journalism. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, that, I remember it, Bill. Yeah, that was uh, over 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, your idea has really blossomed. Um, I'm looking, I, I see different, uh, I know you're in eight, seven or eight straight states besides New Jersey. I guess that would include uh, Pennsylvania, uh, South Carolina. Uh, are you in New York? Yes, we're in, uh, we're in New Jersey, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Florida at this point. I never knew that. Uh, that's, that's really, truly great. You know, there was one thing that you said, and then I'll, I'll, let me go to your background first. Uh, you graduated Rutgers. Somewhere in there, you ran for mayor as an independent of New Brunswick. How did you do in that race? <laughs> I did okay. I ran when I was 21 years old, and uh, depending on who you ask, uh, ask I, I either finished second or third out of four candidates in the general election, and uh, and I and I learned a lot. You know, I, I campaigned uh, about uh, 16 hours a day door to door. And, uh, and then the main thing that I learned from it was that, you know, you can really make a big difference in the lives of people and you don't necessarily need to do that by running for office. It's great that people run for office and obviously democracy thrives because people run for office. But um, at, the, at the end of the day, you can make a, a, a real difference in your community in a variety of ways. And I've chosen to do that through, through tap into as well as my volunteerism in my community. I, I, I was amazed because you belong to so many chamber of commerces. Uh, uh, you were <clears throat> at an earlier age. You belong to the uh, suburban chamber of commerce, and I guess that's in your area. Um, where else have you? Yeah, been? I was. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, or, or when I first um, started with uh, when I start started the company um, with Tap Into about ten years ago. Um, I was involved, you know, at that time I was in, uh, I had started, you know, online local news sites in uh, about a half dozen towns. And in each of those towns, um, I was running those sites and I was active in those chambers of commerce. And in a number of those towns, I rose to the point where I was, you know, a, a senior officer of that chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. um, and the suburban chamber of commerce was the last one that I served with where, 
I was president of the chamber, and I'm currently immediate past president of the Suburban Chamber of Commerce, and I actually had the pleasure of emceeing their annual. It's about two weeks ago. I was in New Jersey, and uh, I was able to do that, so it was great to see everybody. It is. I, I was very active in the Chamber of Commerce in uh, Sussex County. I won awards for four of the 12 years I was there, and uh, currently I'm, my daughter is a lawyer, uh, so I'm in her Chamber of Commerce which is in uh, the Wayne area. Uh, and uh, I'm got, getting back into the Sussex area because my son's a, uh, opened his own business as an electrician. So it does help out. And they do great things. Uh, I was amazed. The Rotary, too, uh, excellent organizations. I think you belong to a Rotary uh, as well. Yeah, and I, 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 was, uh, I, was, I was president of the Rotary Club of Berkeley Heights, and uh, I'm still a member of that club and an honorary member. And, uh, you know, you, you, you think of those organizations like the Chamber, like the Rotary Club, those are really the, the backbones of our communities. And, uh, and it, it's great to see them active and involved and, and still helping people and, and helping the community. You know, I wanted to thank you uh, and your organization because, uh, oh, last week I penned a thing on uh, insulin. I'm a diabetic. Uh, I had a whole bunch of slew of issues, and uh, the price of insulin has gone through the roof. But your papers, a couple of them carried, carried that piece, and I know it, it helps here and there uh, to, to speak up on those issues. Um, Twelve off a minute along the same line. I watched, uh, so did Hercules, who's, who's on the board now. I, I watched a piece which you did with Steve Abobato. Uh, pardon, my, pardon my pronunciation tonight. I usually do a better job. But you talked about what's happened to big, big papers, regional papers. Can you just go back over that? Sure, sure. So, and it might be helpful for me to, you know, give the listeners a little bit of a history of, of tap into and how it fits into the, the media landscape, so to speak. Um, you know, back 10 years ago, I started an all online objective local news site in New Providence, New Jersey, where I lived. And I also started one in Berkeley Heights and Summit. Um, that was October of 2008. And um, I, I did it uh, for a, a couple different reasons. The major reason being that um, my son, who was one at the time, he's now 12 and he's fine. But when he was one, we found out he needed open heart surgery. And oh, I wanted boy. to do something. Yeah. And I wanted to do something that and now he's on travel soccer and all kinds of things. But um, I wanted mm -hmm. to do something that, you know, would give back to the community, do something I'd really like to do. And I could actually see my wife and son. And so I started um, an online local news site in New Providence and our two neighboring towns of Berkeley Heights and Summit. And then um, we started to get requests from people to expand to their town. So uh, we started one in Chatham and one in Milburn. And, um, and then uh, th that was around February of 2009. And at that time I left my job in the city. I was an attorney to focus on, uh, uh, on this full time. And uh, a few weeks later, is when um, uh, AOL launched something called Patch. And when they launched Patch, uh, we didn't know that they were owned by AOL. And they launched in Milburn, and then they launched in Livingston, which is where I grew up. So we launched in Livingston, and then they launched in, in Westfield, and we launched in Westfield. And then we found out that they were owned by AOL, and they were going to go all over this, the country and spend like $200 million. So at oh. that point, we stopped expanding. 
and we just tried to survive. And we went head to head with them for about four years. And, you know, during that time, uh, thankfully, we not only survived, but we thrived. And we did that by trying to put out the highest quality original relationships with the local businesses in town. And uh, what wound up happening was that we started to get more and more requests from people to expand to their town, but we had to keep saying no because we couldn't do any more sites ourselves. And, uh, but it got me thinking, you know, how could we expand yet keep it really local? Because to me, the key being that we do our, our, you know, our own original local news reporting. And so back a little over five years ago, almost six years ago now, I first came up with this concept of, of licensing sites to people who could start uh, this in their town as their own business. But after about a year, we found that um, our licensees needed a lot more support from us than we were able to provide under a licensing situation. And so five years ago, we became a franchise and we started to franchise local news. And it really took off. And today we have 81 tap into sites in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Florida. We've had over 8 million readers during the last year. Wow. And we're now seen as one of the only scalable, sustainable local journalism models in the country. And why this is so important is, is that, as, as you probably know, Bill, um, throughout the country, there is a, a growing void in local news in towns across the country. There's about 1,800 towns um, have lost their, their local newspaper in the last five years. Um, there's over 10,000 towns in the country that have no local newspaper and no local news site. And, uh, and what's also been happening is uh, when the local newspaper, if the local newspaper hasn't gone out of business, uh, it has uh, oftentimes regionalized its coverage. So there's a lot less coverage of local news in the town, or it's been uh, acquired by a venture capital firm um, or a chop shop and the journalists are laid off and it becomes basically uh, an advertising rag. And uh, it's not only a big problem for journalism, it's a big problem for democracy because uh, and studies keep coming out. The most recent was about two weeks ago showing that uh, in areas where there is no local news site, um, there's very little accountability of the government. Um, there's, there's voter apathy. Um, there's a lot, lot less uh, voter turnout. And people don't know what's going on in their own town. And local news provides that information and really is the backbone of, of democracy in towns across the country. I, I see it as uh, I'm just going to go over a little bit. I grew up uh, delivering the Bergen records. And uh, we had a paper on our border called the Hudson Dispatch. I delivered both of them. I wound up doing uh, studies of newspapers for the federal government, you know, specific occupations. But I, I see the recent buyout of the Bergen Records tied to the Daily Record, tied to the Asbury Park Press, tied to USA Today as having less news. You actually described the model that I see there. Uh, the Bergen Record frequently is running stories that the Daily Record is running, and uh, they're in Morris County. Uh, I kind of miss, you know, I miss that, but I do see in your papers, I see, uh, you know, I, I read the one in Sparta, I read the one in Newton, I see about maybe six, sometimes seven or eight stories, and that does make a difference uh, in, in, in at least small town news, but also in big town news. Any, yeah, any that's comments? absolutely right. 
and, and, and you know what's happening, you know, in your, what, you know, Gannett bought out, you know, NorthJersey.com, um, I think it's now about two years ago, and um, they regionalized a lot of their coverage, and they laid off a number of the journalists, and um, these, and they, they weren't only like the Bergen Record, there was also a lot of local newspapers that, that yes. were part of NorthJersey.com, and they became shells of their former self, so that you would, for example, open up the Milburn item, and you're lucky if you have, you know, two or three stories for the entire week for, about Milburn. Everything else is from towns well outside of Milburn in the Milburn item, you know, and, um, and now, you know, it looks like it's, it may be even getting worse for, for that newspaper chain because um, there's a company called, I think, NMF or something like that. And um, it's a, it's like a, it's basically like a venture capital firm and they're looking to acquire Gannett and they're known as folks that come into distressed uh, news chains and further slash the newsrooms. So if they win this shareholder vote, which I think is in May, um, th those newspapers will will you know even further be decimated in terms of their news coverage, and uh, that's not good for anybody. No, you're so right on on the issues of democracy. Uh, you know, not knowing the news in your area leads to powerlessness. Uh, it leads to alienation of politics. Because you're getting most of your stories. If you're not reading your paper, you're getting it on a news channel that maybe has 18 minutes of news. And you're lucky if it has any of your stories. Uh, your papers are actually concentrated in New Jersey uh, and the other states across the border. But we are losing much in, 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 in knowledge, in political participation, and uh, overall feelings about our community. I mean, you know, the sense of community seems to be lessened. I may be going on the stream end on this, but, uh, you know, those old papers were, were like family to us. You know, we delivered them. We did all kinds of stuff. Me, I did research with them. And you know, my uh, first endorsement for office came from Suburban Trend, which was part of uh, North Jersey Media, which was engineered by the uh, HR person at, uh, at, the, at the record at the time. Of how do you see do you see your your movement increasing uh, nationwide worldwide? Yeah, and and you know I, I think one of the other issues um, that that has also resulted is is that in towns that do not have a local newspaper or a news site where there is no tap into site, what oftentimes happens is people are getting their quote unquote news from social media and oftentimes that news is it, that quote unquote news is not accurate. It's rumors. Uh, and it can become also a cesspool of, of vitriol. And, um, and that's not a positive thing either. And, and now you have, you have some towns, even in New Jersey where local quote unquote news sites are popping up that are not legitimate news sites. They're actually fake news sites or partisan news sites funded by PACs. And that, to me, is a really dangerous thing, too, so that the only news source for somebody in their town could be a, uh, a uh, right-leaning right -leaning or left-leaning uh, news site that's funded by a political action committee. Um, and that's very troubling. Um, and I, I think that the solution to that, um, to fill the, the void in local news, uh, not only in New Jersey but across the country, is a model like Tap Into, where – 
we, you know, we provide the back end, the training, the support, the, the tech support, et cetera, and enable people to, uh, in effect, become independent publishers um, of lo their local news in their town, um, yet be able to take advantage of the network that we're establishing. So kind of key to our model is that our sites can share content with a click of a button. So for example, if the, um, if, uh, the Essex County Executive opens a new, new park in Milburn, our Milburn site can cover that story, and any of our sites in Essex County might want to run that story because their residents might want to go to that county park. Um, or if the governor makes a big address in New Brunswick, our New Brunswick site would cover that, and any of the sites throughout all of New Jersey could utilize that story. Um, and then uh, as equally important, if not more so, is that um, in addition to the sites being able to share content with each other, the sites are able to sell advertising into each other. And that's really critical because when you think about the average local business, they want to reach the people in their town, but they also want to reach the people in neighboring towns. And they can't do that other than with a publication like ours where we have sites in, uh, in, in uh, a wide variety of towns that are close by. So, for example, in Sparta, Jenny Derricks, who's our franchisee there, and she does a great job, you know, she can, uh, she can sell any of those uh, Sparta businesses also into, for example, Newton, and they want to reach Newton residents um, and vice versa. And it's good for the business because it extends their footprint and enables them to target various towns um, through the marketing vehicles that we provide. Um, and it's good for the, our publishers because as they sell advertising into each other, um, they're able to uh, earn more revenue, and that lifts everybody's boat. So it's a win-win all the way around. Do you expect more expansion in uh, New Jersey beyond what you have now? Yeah, we currently have 69 sites in New Jersey, and um, – you know, and there, you, and the 69 sites cover about a little over 100 municipalities. Um, in New Jersey, currently, there's about a little over 560 municipalities. Um, so there's a lot of room for growth still in New Jersey. Um, you know, one of the things that we also do is, um, you know, because there are a lot of small towns in New Jersey, and so mm -hmm. if people um, if people can combine towns into one site. Um, so I know there might be people listening who are thinking, oh, well, my town only has 2,000 people. You know, could I really start an online news site that would be sustainable and would actually earn me money in a town of 2,000 people? And the answer is, well, you know, if you don't have an, enough population or enough businesses to sustain a site, um, you can put uh, one, two, or, or even three, maybe even four towns together into one site. And that would enable you to have enough population and, and readership as well as enough businesses and advertising to support uh, a local paper that would cover those, those two, three, or four towns together as one site. That, that, that is excellent. Uh, I know that you're in Sparta and Newton in my county. Uh, are, are there any other towns in that county uh, that are lined up? Um, no, I mean, we, we, we actually got an inquiry the other day from Vernon. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but, you know, there's um, in terms of, you know, in terms of Sussex County, I think, you know, Vernon is a, is a place, you know, it's a town of about 60,000 people. They could really use, uh, and we've gotten a lot of requests from residents to, to come there. It's more of a matter of finding the right people who want to start it there. Um, also, like the Hapakong area. 
Um, they could really, really utilize a tap into site, um, or even all over the border in Jefferson, uh, you know, which is close by to you guys in Sussex County. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a smattering of some other towns in Sussex that you'd probably have to put together as one site, like Byram with another town or whatever, yeah. um, that, that would make it uh, doable for someone to, uh, you'll be able to not only create, you know, to have a, a vibrant news site, but also to be able to uh, put together enough uh, 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 advertising dollars to, 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 to make it wor financially worthwhile for someone to do it there, you know? Michael, I'm going to ask you a question that probably makes no sense. Do you think people, if you had to rate people on information and what they know, uh, what do you think we're at now with our public, our body politic? Uh, yeah, I would say it's it's pretty it's pretty low. Um, the thing that's interesting is in towns. What we have, this is anecdotal, but in towns that have tap into okay. sites, we find that. Um, uh, there are a lot more contested elections. There are a lot more candidates who run for office. A voter turnout tends to be higher. And I don't credit that with tap into. I credit that with providing, you know, original local news reporting in a town, you know, covering those council meetings, covering those board of ed meetings, covering those controversial planning and zoning board meetings, because, you know, that's where your tax dollars are being spent. And, and that's also where some of the most important decisions that are impacting your life in your town are taking place. And, you know, when I started tap into 10 years ago um, in, in new Providence, um, we would be covering those council meetings and there'd be, you know, two, three, four other reporters there covering the council meeting for other publications. And today it's just us. So if we don't show up, nobody knows what happened at the council meeting. And that's a real big problem. Um, and, and so I think there's a real need for this, you know, not only in New Jersey, but across the country. I have worked, I ran for office as a freeholder, as a Democrat in uh, the town of uh, Sussex Borough, tied myself to a Republican councilwoman uh, over a water issue and uh, sewage and uh, uh, a big water company wanted to buy their deep water reservoir and also to connect into the sewage system of Sussex County. And uh, I watched the, uh, the reporter from the, the, the one paper in the town. There's, there's another a chain of papers, of weekly papers. And he left the meetings early all the time. You know, he, he never got the, uh, we, we were lucky that we did a, refer, uh, there was a referendum we forced a, refer a referendum on that. Uh, we got people to turn out and say they didn't want to give up their uh, private water company to a, a ultra big water company. But you're right. If you don't have that kind of uh, uh, network in your community, you're at, you're at risk for things happening to your community. Um, this is about four or five years ago, but they still have, nobody's come back to buy their reservoir system. And that would have cost a lot of money. There were, there were a lot of things that went down there. Um, in the future, you're, you're in eight states now. Do you intend to spread to more? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, right now it's still kind of, uh, it, you know, we're, it's still kind of me who is, is out there talking with people about the opportunity and, and spreading the word. Um, so a lot of our requests you know, a lot of our interest for franchising, you know, comes from people reaching out to us, not us reaching out to people. But, mm -hmm. um, but absolutely, you know, we had, 
you know, just in the last month, you know, we've had people reach out from from Indiana and from Georgia and from North Carolina and uh, from Arizona. And so that, you know, people are starting to hear about us, which is really exciting. And, you know, we, we would love to, to go to these states and, and help, you know, fill the, the void in local news that's happening there. Because what's interesting is, is that, you know, while um, I, I think while we would all agree that New Jersey doesn't have enough original local news coverage in many, many towns, Compared to other states, it has more local news coverage than most other states. Um, you go to some some states like New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, and there's almost no local original uh, news coverage taking place. Um, so there's there's a real you know if you think New Jersey has a void in local news, you step out of New Jersey and it's really eye opening. It, it surely is. I mean, I'm in Florida at times, and. Uh, I haven't picked up your uh, tap into papers. Uh, actually, I'm going down there uh, the day after, uh, uh, I guess on Monday. Uh, I have some issues to take care of. But uh, where are you in uh, Florida? Yeah, we're, we actually have a, a site in Parkland, Florida. Um, so, you know, uh, Parkland's a really wonderful place. Uh, uh, you know, the only, the only negative is that that's the, the location where the, the unfortunate um, shooting took place about, you know, a year and a half ago. But uh, we have a site there in Parkland, um, and uh, there's a husband and wife who are our franchisees, and they have five kids, and they're doing a great job there. And they franchised the site about four months ago, and uh, and so far it's going well. And and you know Parkland's an interesting town because um, you know you look at it, and other than kind of glossy magazines, um, you know there's there's not a lot of local news coverage. The only local news coverage is about the shooting, and so outside of the shooting, people really don't know what's going on in the town. And tap into Parkland is really kind of tapping into that and and providing original local news reporting in Parkland, which, although they're young, uh, you know, they're already doing a good job and they're going to be expanding their coverage in the months to come. That's always good. I got to ask you, um, I read about a new thing that you're doing. It's a video kind of set, uh, uh, set up, I guess, with some company out of Little Falls. Oh, you know yes. Um, sure, sure. So, so, like we've been um, franchising towns, um, you know, franchising people that who, to people who want to start tap into in their town, um, we've created two other concepts. Um, one is uh, what we call a subject matter franchise, where somebody mm -hmm. or where people could start a, uh, a, 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 a news site that's geared towards a subject matter. So, for example, Jackie Lieberman, who is our franchisee for, for Westfield, um, she, uh, she recently um, franchised a subject matter newspaper for New Jersey food. And so she covers the New Jersey food scene, and, um, which is interesting. And, and similarly, we have uh, another concept called a medium-based franchise, and that's where ta uh, Tap Into TV comes in. And basically, Tap Into TV, which is um, owned, and, owned and operated by a uh, professional TV studio in Little Falls, um, they've basically created their own television channel on Tap Into. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty exciting because it also, um, it, 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 you know, it kind of, it, part of my vision for Tap Into is that it, 
basically becomes a platform. So um, similar to other platforms, it becomes a platform because if you are, for example, a resident of Sparta, New Jersey, and you're reading your local news on tap into Sparta, how great would it be if you could also get your New Jersey food news there and you could get other subject matters that otherwise you'd have to go other places for, you can get there. And maybe you can even watch a television channel while you're there. Um, the idea being is that we become kind of a, a one, one, uh, you know, a, uh, a one-stop shop for people to get all their news in one place. Um, people have even started to talk to me about the possibility of starting a state news section um, where that state they could actually cover the state house, and then um, and then that state news would also uh, filter through to the to the tap into town sites. So when you came to tap into in Sparta, not only could you get your Sparta news, but you could get your state house news all at the same time. Um, we're actually experimenting with that on a little bit of a different level in Union County. Um, in Union County, um, the the Union County Freeholder Board. Uh, which basically is the county government in Union County. Um, there's basically nobody, no, no press, you know, really attends those meetings. And there's a lot of stuff that, that can, the county freeholders do, and they have a lot, they have a, a large portion of the tax budget um, and in terms of your, your taxes in Union County. And so what our Union County Tap Into site did was they pooled their resources and they hired a reporter who covers the Union County freeholder meetings and then that news coverage um, is provided on all of the tap into sites in Union County. So when you come, for example, to tap into Westfield, not only do you get your Westfield news, but you also get your Union County news all in one place. People are better informed and they can make better decisions. And when it comes exactly. to election, exactly, exactly, they really have a uh, view of what the uh, local politicians are doing. Um, let me just see now. I have so many questions I want to ask you. Okay. The guy that runs that, uh, is his name Brian Brodeur? Yeah, Brian Brodeur. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Is he related to the uh, Devil's Goalie? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> his statue is always outside. Uh, <laughs> Martin Brodeur, right? He was a great goalie. <laughs> oh, I loved him. Uh, I, I, I I try to keep up with New York sports and uh, wherever I am. And uh, I was hoping somebody would go to the playoffs, at least in hockey. And it's the Islanders. Uh, so I, I guess it's wait till next year for the other guys. You yeah, that's you right. <laughs> you do cover high school sports. Am I right? Oh, yeah, yeah. High school, it's, it, high school sports is, is really uh, one of the – key um, topic areas that our sites cover. And, you know, what? it's interesting because um, it used to be that there was so much high school sports coverage in your local papers. And um, over, the, over the last few years, um, a lot of newspapers have, have eliminated it um, because what, they, what they, have, they were finding was, it, you know, it wasn't producing the, the kind of traffic um, that other kinds of content was, was producing. Um, we look at it as a real opportunity because um, we find that well-written high school sports articles, one, they do very well, but second, there's a significant portion of the community, you know, not only the parents, but the, the students that want to read that. And, um, sure. and so, you know, that's one of the core content areas for us in addition to, you know, coverage of government meetings is high school sports 
um, and, and then obviously also events around town. And, um, and what I also call like heartstring stories where there's, um, there's somebody in need in the town or there's a nonprofit that's, that's doing this, uh, something very important for charity. Um, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that, that we cover. And, and, you know, I think that one of the things that also sets us apart is, is that, you know, we don't, we don't have an editorial page. We don't tell people how to vote or what to think. You know, we, the idea is we provide people with objective local news and then they can make their own decisions. They don't need us to tell them, you know, who to vote for or what to think. Um, readers, as you know, Bill, because you've done it yourself, readers can submit letters to the editor and candidates can submit candidate statements each week from um, Labor Day up through election, up through the week before Election Day and, and lay out their platforms so that the, 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 our readers can evaluate candidates that way. Um, and so we do provide opportunities for people to express their opinions, but you'll never hear from us how to vote or what to think. No, it's, it's, let the voter make his own choice, I guess, or her own choice is the way to go. That's right. But That's you're right. Providing, you're providing choices. Do you, uh, I, I, I don't recall if you do this, do you interview at all like a, a Democrat and Republican in, a, in an election year? You don't make yeah, on the local like level, that. yes. I mean, you know, because our sites are hyper local, so um, so they do. They they will interview the candidates, uh, all the candidates running for office in the town. Um, often they'll they'll cover the, any debates that occur in the town. Oftentimes, tap into the local tap into site is the sponsor of the debate, and and oftentimes the moderator of the debate. Um, but yeah, absolutely, they will. Oh, you know, I know. For example, right now in South Orange, there's a very contested local election there. It's a primary. I think it's uh, the it's going to be uh, settled in a couple of weeks. And our tap into Soma site, which covers South Orange and Maplewood, has been doing a lot of coverage about that that election. Um, and uh, you know that's the kind of stuff that really is the bread and butter to me of, of local news reporting. Because I know we've I've, I've sent people to your paper. Uh, one one or one of them is one person was on this was on this station uh, with serious issues. Uh, actually, a second one I was going to send, and she might have been in touch with you. Uh, she's coming to this station too. Uh, there are a lot of troubles out there, bullet issues, and uh, um, there's a lot of sadness. I noticed that you your papers actually donated. I don't know if it was last year. $240,000 to uh, uh, charities. That's a focus that you've had since you started uh, in life. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we actually, we donate, um, we're the media partner for several charities and we, we uh, I think last year we, we donated um, almost half a million dollars in advertising and marketing to those charities. Um, and, you know, um, one of the primary charities that we partner with is uh, Susan G. Komen North Jersey. Um, and uh, they do just incredible work in terms of breast cancer and, and, and things like that. And um, we work also closely with, uh, with uh, Relay for Life, um, again, uh, about cancer. Um, and uh, we, also, uh, we also work, um, and then we also work with, with um, charities uh, and, and uh, support organizations on the local level. Uh, we just recently formed a, a partnership with the, uh, the Girl Scouts of Northern New Jersey. And uh, I'm currently in the process of forming a partnership with the Boy Scouts. Um, 
and uh, and other similar organizations because um, similar to the Rotary Club, these are organizations that um, really are the are the backbone of our communities and are helping lots and lots of people. And and you know, to me, part of the mission of of uh, not only a local news site but uh, a company like Tap Into, you know, where we have a network of online local news sites, is is to give back to the community and to help in in any way that we can. We sure do that. I mean, that's excellent, uh, um, especially for the, the youth activities, uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. I, I still think I'm in favor of the Girl Scouts keeping their Girl Scouts because they have great cookies. But uh, <laughs> yeah. my my daughter is a, is it was just selling Girl Scout cookies, so she just finished up. So <laughs> oh boy, she was in our neighborhood. <laughs> we we stack up. Uh, did, did she go door to door? Or do like a um, uh, go in front of a, a grocery store. Oh, like she did all it. kinds of things. Yeah, she was in front of the grocery store. She was doing door to door. She uh, she of course hit up all uh, all of our relatives and friends and all kinds of stuff like that. So she did a very good job. <laughs> That's who you sell to. She'll grow up to be a great a great sales lady. Or That's right. Lady. That's right. <laughs> Michael, do you still practice law? I'm still licensed to practice, but um, given how busy tap into is, I just I, I don't have the time. Um, though you know my 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 legal background does come in handy uh, at tap into, you know, because whether it's you know reviewing a contract or uh, you know dealing with some of the the nutty kinds of emails that you can probably imagine that that a news site yeah. gets these days, um, it's kind of helpful that I don't have to refer everything to outside counsel. <laughs> so. If you were to est- estimate the sites that you have, how many people are there working per site? Is it just like, uh, oh, God, God, I should name the, the lady from Sparta, uh, Derek. Jenny Derek. Is she the only one, or is, is, is she a one-person crew, or does she have other people? Well, yeah, I mean, it really depends. We have a lot of different models. Um, the most common model is where it's two people who do it together part-time. One does the content, one does the ad sales to the local businesses in town. About 15% of our sites, it's one person who does both the content and the ad sales. That's what Jenny does in, in, in Sparta. Um, we also have um, a, what, a model where people will um, buy the franchise and then bring on people to do the content and the ad sales. Then it becomes more like a, just a, a business opportunity. Um, we have a nonprofit model where nonprofits can actually start tap into in their town and they can do wow. either the content or the ad sales or both and then partner with members of the community to do the other aspects of the business that the nonprofit, you know, either doesn't have the, the manpower or, or the desire to do. Um, we have a university model where St. Bonaventure University franchised as a journalism yeah. practicum for their students. And, um, and then we have a hard copy newspaper model where we've, we have six hard copy newspapers that are franchised from us to be their online site. Um, I was actually on a call earlier today because there's so many hard copy newspapers in the country where they either don't have an online site or their online site is from like 1985. Okay. So we can help those kinds of newspapers get into the 21st century and, and, and transition to the digital world and, and keep them in business. That's 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 the aim to keep news for the future. Uh, do you consider this a bad time for news in this country? 
if you are. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people who, who, who say the, the kind of the, the opposite. I think it's kind of like the, the, the golden age for news because there's such a need for it. And, um, and it, it, just like any other industry, the news industry is evolving. Um, and, um, and I just see so many, so many possible opportunities. Um, you know, I'm kind of a glass half, half a full kind of guy, not a glass half empty kind of guy. But to me, um, the, there's, there's just, I'm so excited about the future of local news because there's, there's so much opportunity and not only, you know, tap into it is obviously a successful model, but there's other successful models out there. And um, I think it's just a matter of time um, before uh, these voids in local news are filled all across the country. And, as you can probably tell, I, I work night and day to 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 yes. to, to help do that, you know, because it's just so important. It is very important because people have to have that kind of knowledge about their state, their community, uh, their nation, and it, it seems like you guys are getting it done everywhere. Yeah, and one of the, I think Bill, one of the keys to our model too is that you know when when we when we say like oh it, we're franchising local news though so the idea of franchising a lot of times for people um, they're worried because you know you think about a McDonald's or or Dunkin' Donuts where you have to you know spend you know half a million or a million dollars for a franchise you know ours doesn't work that way um, you know there are there the in terms of the the cost to do something like this. It, it's literally a couple hundred dollars a month and people could own their own online newspaper in their own town. Um, and uh, you know, we wanted to make it affordable so that, you know, everybody from out of work journalists to, uh, to business development professionals, to stay at home moms who have a background in writing or, or journalism uh, who want to do this in their town can do it. And, uh, and we've been able to do that, not, you know, from the, the toniest of suburbs to the most distressed, economically distressed inner cities to even, you know, more rural areas like, like in Sussex County. And um, I think that's a testament to the fact that this model can work basically anywhere. Um, we just need to find, we just need to find the people who, who uh, want to step up to the plate and, and, and do this for their community and also create a pro one who also want to create a profitable business at the same time. Uh, you know, this, it's, it, I think in the beginning, you know, we had a, a number of people who approached us who, you know, kind of wa wanted to do it as a hobby. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, local news ca is, can't be a hobby. It, it has to be no. a passion and, and for it to be sustaining and long term so that you don't leave a community high and dry. It needs to be people who, you know, want it, want to uh, not only deliver the news for their residents, their town, but have a strong desire to make it a sustainable long-term business in the town. Well, I, I talked to my daughter about it a little bit because she does, she does news for WOR right at the moment. Uh, she's going to leave that. She's a lawyer like you. She does a lot of radio, uh, but she's also practicing law. So we'd be interested in, in a, maybe in a franchise down the road either Hardiston or Wayne, New Jersey. Who knows, maybe Hercules, who's on the other end, would be interested in too. Because it, <laughs> well, yeah, you and, know, and, it, and you know, and a good place for people to look for more information is if they go to uh, starttap.net. 
it'll bring them to uh, a page on our site that gives them some introductory information and things like that and uh, ways to contact us. And, um, and that, that's a really good way for people to find out some introductory information. The other thing I should mention, Bill, is, is that, you know, on the site itself, it's, the site is free to read. There's no paywall. There's no subscription. Um, and you can even sign up to get the news via email for free. Um, we have an app that you can download from the um, from the from on Android and iPhone, and that's also free. Um, our whole model is advertising based, um, and um, and we've been we we were profitable in 2018, uh, and um, it just goes to show that you know uh, that you, you you can be profitable, you can be sustainable. Um, while you know not erecting barriers to people accessing their local news, because to me that's an, another fundamental problem in terms of the news media industry is that democratization that is fostered by local news is undermined when people have to uh, pay to read their local news. Um, so that's part of our mission is to provide it free to everyone. So there's no barrier for people to be educated, informed, and involved in their community. Now, you've got my uh, friend Sam Berlin writing pieces. Uh, he's a auto racer. Uh, how did you come across Sam? Oh, I what know him for a number of years, but he, he had to reach out to me. and He writes um, a column on our, our Sparta site and uh, – and uh, he's he's uh, he's he's always been a supporter of, of ours, and uh, and he he owns a business up there in Sussex County, and uh, yes, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been a, a a good friend through the years. Yeah, I've I've done some events with him, and uh, uh, he's a good guy. We sometimes have differences, but uh, I follow his racing. Uh, I guess he's going to go more national in racing. But that he writes good pieces. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Sense, you know. I can sense that you're really happy with this. Was this? How did you catch this dream? Um. Well, how did I? How did I like come up with this? You mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. I other than my son, uh, which I talked about earlier, um, the other impetus, the other main impetus for me to create this was back, you know, 10 plus years ago in my old hometown of New Providence, we only had a, a, a hard copy newspaper um, that came out once a week. And oftentimes it would take up to two weeks to actually find out what was going on in your town, um, which was problematic. For example, when the high school football team won a game, you would find out after they've already played the, the second game. Um, and then the, the other aspect of it, though, that was problematic was that, you know, it had a very um, opinionated editorial page. And sometimes that editorial page would leak into the news coverage. And, um, you know, and we would find that, you know, letters to the editor that were uh, that were sent in that were opposite of the editor's personal opinion sometimes weren't published um, and things like that. And um, I found that kind of disturbing. And so that's part of why, you know, our mission, um, like we talked about earlier, you know, we, we, you know, we don't have an editorial page. Um, and so, you know, we don't tell people how to vote or what to think. And, and we accept letters to the editor. And uh, as long as they're, you know, about local issues and as long as they're not defamatory or factually inaccurate, we publish them and they can be of any length. Uh, and part of that goes back to the history, you know, back 
over 10 years ago that I had with my, you know, my local hard copy newspaper at the time, which was then acquired by NJ.com and, and gutted. And, and today it's, it's just basically uh, holds coupons and that's all it is, um, which is a shame. But, uh, you know, that, that was the other main impetus for me to start this in, in my old hometown of New Providence, New Jersey. You know, that's been the issue with all these papers. Uh, uh, North Jersey Media had about 15 papers. Uh, I, you know, uh, they've cut them down in size. Uh, New Jersey.com, I know across the river, has uh, expressed times. And uh, it used to be more fun because they, those papers would be more relevant uh, to the needs of the community. You're doing a good job here. Uh, goals of the people of, of your reading area. Uh, this was a pleasure. I'm sorry that I uh, had such a raspy vo- voice for this. But I'm, I'm glad that you could put up with it. Oh, no. Thank you so much, Bill, for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. You, you did well, great, Hercules Bill. Been, that's Hercules right there. I'm here. <laughs> Wow, this was amazing. I, I learned uh, a lot, and I have a lot uh, to think about. Uh, and I had done a little bit of research before the show. Bill sent me some uh, links, and uh, uh, I'm very intrigued with what you're doing. I uh, certainly want to have you back on again. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. Aside was- from your website, is there anything else you'd like people to uh, um, to read or to look at? Uh, well, you know, you can access Tap Into at Tap Into. T-A-P-I-N-T-O dot net. The idea is you're tapping into your community and then you can choose your town uh, and then it'll remember you on your town. You can also follow us on Facebook at Tap Into Local. Um, You can also, we have local Facebook pages for all of our sites. Um, And the main, uh, if you're interested in starting to tap into in your town is starttap.net. And uh, we would love to hear from you. That is phenomenal, and you will be uh, hearing from me uh, what you've uh, um, come up with and have uh, uh, given birth to and spread around. It sounds phenomenally intriguing and and certainly very much needed. Well, thank you very much. We're going to continue to fight the good fight and help fill the void in local news, not only in towns throughout New Jersey, but hopefully eventually throughout the country. And I wish you the greatest of success in that. And I want to thank uh, Bill. Bill, you weren't feeling well today, and you came on and uh, um, you uh, introduced us to something uh, very new and very exciting, and uh, I'm grateful to you. Well, I, I met him about 10 years ago, as he said, and he was, uh, he was on fire then. I think he mentioned one of his competitors, um, uh, that the AOL, AOL people. They're not around at AOL. Uh, those papers... Uh, they're gone, right? Well, they, they still exist, but they're like a shell of their former selves because back about five years ago, they laid off like 90% of their journalists. Um, so there's, um, I think in New Jersey, they have like 80-something sites, and they have about, you know, five to ten journalists for their 85 sites. So you have, a, you know, a, not a lot of original local news content. It's a lot of aggregated content, user-generated content, et cetera. Um, but they do still exist, um, but they're they're kind of a shell of their former selves. Well, we're glad to have you and uh, your your papers. 
And well, thank you so party. much, Bill. We're glad to be around. <laughs> Amen. You, you dreamed a big dream and you ran with it. Any advice you'd care to offer to folks who uh, have a dream but are afraid to run after it? <laughs> I would say uh, be persistent and don't give up. Um, I can't tell you how many Amen. people, particularly early on, said that I was crazy, that it would never work. Um, that have thrown up all kinds of roadblocks through the years, and I just work through them and, and think about ways around them and overcome them. And, and that's what you, in my view, that's what you need to do, not only for what I'm doing, but for really any business. Um, you know, there's ups and downs, and you just got to overcome them and, and push right through. Thank you again. Um, and uh, um, what can I say? This was an awesome and informative show. Um, thanks to all who've been uh, listening. I hope you got as much out of this as uh, I did. And until next time, uh, this is all of you wishing you joyous journeys and awesome adventures. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.